0: is what we want to do today. We want to give God the glory for what he has done and what he wants to do and wants to continue to do in this world today. That is why we have come to church today is to praise him and to keep our eyes on him today. And I am just excited that I get to be in this place and in front of all of you and share with you what Jesus is doing in our world. You know, we've been praying and and talking for a long time here at Grace Point about revival. And that we've been praying for revival to come. And and I hope you will not give up on praying for revival. For you see, we need revival. Now some of you might say, what in the world is revival? We keep talking about it, but do we really truly know what it means? Well, I looked it up in the dictionary. And I thought, let me see what it comes up with, in terms of the word revival. Well, one of the words that it uses to describe revival is reawakening. Now, I think that's an interesting word, reawakening. You know, we live here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And Fort Wayne's nickname kind of is the City of Churches. And if you look around Fort Wayne, you'll see lots and lots of churches all over this city. And yet, did you know that on most Sunday mornings, like today, more than half of the population of this city will not be in church, in the city of churches? You see, we've had a period of time where the churches were planted and where people knew about Jesus Christ. There was a time of awakening. But in many ways, if we look across our city. And our state and our country. I'm afraid that maybe spiritually we've gone to sleep and we need to be reawakened. And that, people, is revival. Just a few weeks ago, when Chuck came to visit me in England, we went to Wales for the weekend. And when we went down there, we wanted to go see where the great Welsh revival began, where it had started. And so we went to this little town of Lochor and we went to the church, the Moriah Chapel, where that actual revival had started. It was over a hundred years ago. And you know it began because one young man began to pray and pray and pray that revival would come. For you see, revival, it's this reawakening. Of an entire group of people. Revival, yes, it begins in one heart here and one heart here, but there is something exponential that happens when it all comes together. If you think about it, think about when the disciples prayed for ten days before the day of Pentecost and then the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them and they went out and it was Peter who preached in front of the people but don't you know that everybody else was spread among the crowd and the Holy Spirit began to spread and revival came to Jerusalem and revival didn't stop in Jerusalem. That revival went on and literally changed the world. And in that little country area of Wales, the Holy Spirit came a 100 years ago. And when the Holy Spirit came in revival and moved upon that community, it didn't just happen in the church. The Holy Spirit was moving and there were people down the street at the bars and the pubs and all this stuff and the Holy Spirit moved upon them so much they just began showing up at the church. They said that the place would be so crowded that the aisles were filled with people. They had to have policemen at the doors because people were trying to get in. That, my folks, is revival when the Holy Spirit comes and does that. And the Holy Spirit came and it lasted for a year where this revival was poured out. And people's lives were so changed and so transformed from that little revival that began in Wales. They sent out missionaries around the world. And one of the major places that they sent missionaries was to Korea. And I don't know if you know, but today... Korea is one of the hotbeds of Christianity. And they are sending out missionaries all over the world. And it all can trace back to a little chapel in Locher, Wales, where God poured out his Holy Spirit. And so we are praying for revival, folks, because I believe that an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit is what it's going to take for us to touch our country and for us to touch our world because what we need desperately is Jesus Christ. But you know, when revival comes, there are stories of redemption. And this morning, Pastor Chuck sang the song, It Feels Like Redemption. You see, redemption and revival, they go hand in hand. They go together. For you see, when revival comes, it's when life's light When the Holy Spirit touches people and lives are changed, when lives are redeemed, and for revival to come there needs to be redemption, there needs to be repentance, there need to be those who need to know Jesus Christ who will give themselves wholeheartedly to him. They go together. Redemption and revival. Well, I want to take you to Luke chapter 15 today because all of Luke chapter 15 is probably the best redemption chapter that you can find in the whole Bible. There's three stories there, and I want us to look at them this morning. There's the story of the lost sheep, there's the story of the lost coin, and then there's the story of the lost son. All of them are redeemed within this story. But let's start with the very first one. It's the story of the lost sheep, starting with Luke 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 1. Now, the tax collectors and the sinners, I like that. They have that in quotes, don't they? And the sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Now I just want you to get this picture. Do you get it? Jesus is standing there and the sinners are hanging around him and the really good pious religious folks are standing around the edges and they're going, look at that. Look at what he's doing with those dirty people. And Jesus begins to tell a story, and I have a feeling he tells this story loud enough that everybody hears it, the sinners and those who consider themselves the non-sinners. Jesus says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You see, the lesson here is God pursues the sinner. And the pursuit of the sinner is a priority in spite of the presence of others who are doing well. For us, as a people of God, if revival is going to come to our church, to our country, to our world, part of our responsibility is to get outside the walls of this church And to go after those who are lost. God pursues the sinner. And so should we. How many people do you have on your prayer list that don't know Jesus Christ? I believe that we ought to be praying every single day for those who need to know him. Now I'm guessing that by now you have figured out that we hate to leave any place where we've ever done ministry. I've been trying really hard today. Last week, I think I sobbed all Sunday long, and I said, now, Lord, please help me today because it's hard to leave, and I want this day, though, to be all glory to Jesus Christ. We hate leaving places where we have worked and ministered because we always fall in love with the people there, and Austin, Texas, our very first church, that was no exception, we lived in Austin, Texas for five years, but when we first arrived there, there was a lady there by the name of Linda Tuck, and Linda had a Boy, his name was Shane And Linda and Shane were at church Every single Sunday Linda was a woman that was so In love with Jesus Christ, she was a prayer Warrior, she was passionate about Jesus And she was passionate about children And so on Saturdays, Linda and I would Often go door to door in the neighborhood Trying to invite kids to come to the church And then Linda would teach Sunday school on Sunday Mornings and minister to the children She was amazing But Linda's husband, Mark He was in the Air Force, he repaired jet engines, and Mark really wanted absolutely nothing to do with the church. As a matter of fact, Mark sort of tolerated the fact that Linda went to church. Sometimes he made it difficult for her, sometimes he didn't want her to be there, but Linda was faithful. And we began to join in prayer with Linda for Mark. Now, Chuck and I began to wonder, how in the world are we going to get to know this guy, Mark? How can we minister to Mark? Well, we would go over to their house sometimes, and I would hang out with Linda, and Chuck would go, and he would try and hang out with Mark. Now, we discovered that not only did Mark work on jet engines, but Mark was very good at working on car engines. We were living in Texas. We needed a vehicle for Pastor Chuck to ride around in. And, of course, in Texas, you need that to be a pickup truck. (laughs) So, uh... So we gathered all the resources that we had. We had about $1,000. And Chuck goes to Mark and he says, Mark, can you help me get a pickup truck? He figured this is a way to get to know Mark and get to hang out with him a little bit. Mark says, well, let me work on this. And Mark comes back and he found the body to an old Ford pickup truck. And he said, I think we can use this. And he says, then I'm going to find an engine. We'll put it in there and I'll try and get this to work. Then he went out and he found this Thunderbird Thunderbird engine and he put it right in that truck. And and let me tell you, yeah, Pastor Chuck, that thing went fast, man. And uh, so he drove that truck. Let me tell you what, Pastor Chuck, this is just the truck story. He fell in love with that truck, and uh, it's been dear to his heart. But it was a way to get to know Mark, and we kept praying for Mark, but Mark didn't get to know Jesus. Mark and Linda moved away. He got redeployed over to Germany. They moved to Germany. But as soon as they got there to Germany, Linda looked up the Church of the Nazarene. And would you believe they were near Kaiserslautern? And they began to go to the Nazarene church there, where they had a special group just for the servicemen. And they were involved. She was involved in the church. Well, they were going to have a weekend retreat for the servicemen all in Germany. She said, Mark, come on, let's go. There'll be other guys that go. It'd be a good time. So Mark and Linda and Shane go off to this retreat, and would you believe the special guest speaker at that retreat that weekend was my dad. I will never forget the phone call at 6 o'clock on Sunday morning in Austin, Texas. We got a phone call from Germany. They said, we've been waiting all day to get to call you. Linda says, Mark needs to talk to Chuck and handed him the phone. And Mark says, Chuck, I gave my life to Jesus. And Mark's life was so transformed, and that's almost 20 years ago right now this fall, that Mark gave his life to Jesus. He has been serving Jesus ever since. I have never seen such a worn Bible in my life. This man has fallen in love with Jesus. The years that we served in Russia, he took that truck and he kept working on it. When we moved here, they drove up here and delivered the truck to us. And it is sitting in the garage and doesn't work to this day. But praise God. (laughs) Pastor Chuck has his truck. But Mark is in the kingdom of God. And that's exciting. You see, the pursuit of the sinner must be a priority in spite of the presence of others who are doing well. We have to go after them, folks. We have to go out and bring them in. But there are those out there who believe that maybe they have so messed up their lives that they've gone so far that there is no hope of coming back. There are those who think I have just messed it up so much that I can't come back to Jesus Christ. I want us to look at this next set of scriptures. Luke 15, starting with verse 8. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Now, I just want to stop here just a second. I want you to imagine a Middle Eastern woman. When she gets married, she gets a dowry. And usually that dowry, if it's a good one, consisted of ten silver coins. Each silver coin was worth one day's salary. This is a woman's life insurance if she loses her husband. This is the way to keep her safe, the ten coins. So I just want you to imagine if you have lost one of your coins and it's your lifeline, what are you going to do? You're going to look for it. So this woman has lost one of her coins. Does she not light a lamp? She sweeps the house and she searches carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls all of her friends and her neighbors together and she says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin." And in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of, of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, I just want you to imagine for a minute, maybe you don't have, it's not the coin. But I want you to imagine that your special gift is this. You see, when God created all of humanity, he said, let us create them in my, my image, in our image and likeness. You see, the image of God has been stamped on every single human being. That is your precious gift. But sometimes in life we walk and we talk and we go the wrong direction until that image is so covered up by dirt and clutter and everything else that we can't find it. And it gets hidden in the dirt of the corner of our lives. And you know what? You have to hunt for it and you have to dig it out and you have to find it and clean it up and get it washed up. And yes, again, it can be redeemed and it can be made whole. Some of you have met our sister-in-law, Tiana, Tiana Sunberg. She's a fun gal. She was here this summer. She was here for our daughter's wedding And we just love Tiana to death. But Tiana has quite an interesting story. You see, she was born to a 16-year-old unwed mother, a little teenager. And the teenager didn't want her. And as a matter of fact, the teenager's mother didn't want her either. So mom doesn't want her. Grandma didn't want her. So great-grandma said, well, I'll take her. So great-grandma takes this little baby, Tiana. She raises her in a very, very un-Christian home and a very ungodly place to be. It was probably one of those homes that might be on hoarders on television. There were times that Tiana says it was so bad I used to have to sleep on a couch that was sitting out on the front porch. You know, the refrigerator's held together with duct tape. And this little girl... You'd think there's really no hope for her, wouldn't you? But when she was in middle school, she became friends with a little girl at school. And that little girl began to invite her over to her home. She'd invite her over for sleepovers, and sometimes those sleepovers were on Saturday night. And if she stayed over on Saturday night, that family said, you know, if you stay over Saturday night, you go to church with us on Sunday morning." And Tiana started going to church on Sunday mornings with that family. And one day, that little girl gave her heart and her life to Jesus Christ. She tried to walk as a teenager without any help or support from her family to love Jesus, and she kept doing it, folks. And when she got to be a senior in high school, she went to her high school counselor, and she said, I want to go to college. Now you have to know that was unheard of in that family. But the counselor said, let me see what I can do to help you out. And Tiana said, I want to go to a Christian school, and I want to go to a school with a bunch of good rules. <laughs> and the counselor reached behind her and found the catalog for Mid-America Nazarene University. And she said, well, here's one. Tiana looked at it said, it looks good. Can you help me? And that little gal packed up everything she owned, put it in a rickety old car, and headed out to Olathe, Kansas all by herself. And when she got to the college... There's this circle drive there, and she said, I drove through the circle drive, and when I parked my car, I looked around, and there were all these parents with these kids, and they were helping their kids move in, and she said, and I had absolutely nobody And I thought, I can't do this. And she got in her car, and she began to pull back out. And then she felt convicted, and God said, try it one more time. And she went through that circle drive one more time. And when she pulled her car in this time, a whole group of girls ran out to her car and said, let us help you move in. Welcome to the school. And she said, in that moment, my life changed. And today, that little lost coin, hidden under the dirt, Is a missionary in Hungary. She's an incredible wife. An incredible mother. To four beautiful daughters. Who are learning to love Jesus Christ. She's a writer. She speaks about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you. There's a lost coin out there. That can be redeemed. It feels like. Redemption doesn't it? And when there is redemption. There will be. Revival. And finally, there's the last story in our scripture today. It's the story of the lost son. Jesus continued. He said there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together. All that he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And he was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son, and he threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and he heard dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked him what was going on. He said, your brother has come home, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and he pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father, said, You are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found. I had a lost brother. I had a brother that wandered off for many, many years. And I had a dad and mom who never stopped waiting for him. My brother Jerry had a very rare lung disease, destroyed his lungs. And at the age of 41, he had to have a lung transplant. A few years later, the complications of that resulted in his kidneys stopping functioning. He had to be on dialysis. Eventually, he had a kidney transplant. Through all of this, I have to tell you, I think that my parents prayed, God, whatever it takes to get through to Jerry, we just want him to come home to you, Jesus. And they kept praying that he would come home through all of this. Eventually, he had to have a kidney transplant. After that, his wife died of a brain tumor. It was one thing after another. And yet, through it all, through it all, my parents kept praying. And they never, ever gave up. After 14 years of having had the lungs, my brother's body went into rejection of those lungs. And little by little, we knew that he was dying. And at 85 years of age, my mother and father moved into my brother's house. And my mother became his nurse and took care of him. And every day they would get together with my brother, and they would have devotions together, and they would pray. And my brother came home. And my dad tells me we had the most precious three months with your brother. And every day, Jerry would just weep and he would cry and he'd say, Forgive me for what I have done. And my dad and mom just kept loving him and throwing their arms around him and saying, It's okay. It's okay. And it was pretty tough when he died at age 55. But you know what? I know today that the prodigal came home. And I know that he is waiting for me in heaven. And we celebrate together for those who have been lost. My parents prayed for him for 55 years. Never ever give up. It feels like redemption. The revival is going to come. You see, this chapter in Luke, the theme was lost and found. Interestingly, at the end of this last story, the conclusion is a little bit open-ended. We're left to ponder whether the older son, who kind of resembles the scribes and Pharisees at the beginning of the story, we don't even know if he responds. Jesus doesn't tell us the ultimate response of this older brother. Jesus was telling us that for revival to come, sinners needed to be pursued and received back warmly when they did return. Well, it feels like redemption. We need people to come to Jesus Christ when revival comes and when the Holy Spirit moves upon us. This morning, we're going to end the service by celebrating baptism. We are going to celebrate those who have said, I accept Jesus Christ into my heart and into my life. It's a great experience. But I don't know this morning whether there are some of you who say, I've never experienced that redemption. I've never asked Jesus into my heart and into my life. And we're just going to take a few minutes here at the end, and there's going to be a video that's going to play, and I want you to watch this. But if this speaks to you this morning and you have never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, I invite you to come down to this altar and we will pray with you this morning. If you're one of those who've been lost and needs to come back home, we want to pray with you today. We're also going to celebrate in a few minutes the baptism. And let me just ask you this this morning. I just felt like I needed to offer this this morning. Pastor Chuck sent out an email this week and said, Are there those who want to be baptized? There were three that were baptized in the first service. There are going to be some baptized in this service. And maybe you felt checked in your heart that you were supposed to respond to that. Maybe you felt like you were supposed to publicly say, I have come back. I've asked Jesus into my life. And maybe you didn't respond to that email. If you want to be baptized this morning, we want to baptize you this morning. And you know, we do it in different ways. You can get all the way in the tank. We've got extra robes in the back. We can pour water over you or sprinkle. There's different ways it can be done. But if you have never been baptized, and you're feeling in your heart and in your mind and your spirit today that you need to be a part of this for revival to come, Then I encourage you to respond. So the video's going to play. And if you want to be baptized this morning. Just go out those doors out there. And Pastor Rex and Lois Kelly are going to be back there. And they'll talk with you about how we'll do it. If you want to pray and ask Jesus into your life today. If you are a lost sheep. Or a lost coin. Or a lost son. Come back. We had one that accepted Jesus in the first service. We'd love to pray with you this morning. Because folks. I feel like there's redemption in the air. It's raining down on us. Let's watch and let's listen.